Welcome to the Mormon Marriages Podcast. I am Angela Bagley. And I'm Nate Bagley. As Mormons, we believe that the most important thing in life is family. And the backbone of your family is your marriage. So on this podcast, we're going to talk with Mormon couples and relationship experts who provide amazing insights into what it takes to create a marriage that will make you look forward to eternity. We would love it if you subscribe to the show and reach out to us if you have any questions, suggestions, or ideas that can help us make it even better. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome. It has been far too long. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) It's been a few months, but we are so excited to be back, and we have a fantastic episode. We've been busy. We have excuses for not having posted recently. We do. But but those don't matter. What matters is that we're here and that you're listening. Right. So this episode, we are with Nick and Chelsea Homer, a fantastic couple. We fell in love with the Homers. Right. It was like instant friends. We left the, the interview thinking these are our people. <laughs> but um, you may have uh, seen some of Chelsea's stuff recently featured on LDS.org's blog and also the LDS Church Instagram. She shared a post about her being in a mixed faith marriage and the way that her and Nick have been able to navigate it and do it successfully and we talked about that in this episode. We did. It was fantastic. So. I the, one of the things that I really loved is um, I feel like there I've seen in in my life in the church when people, especially in marriage, bump up against a faith crisis or a faith problem, they panic and um, all of the the promises and covenants and vows that they've made to each other about you know committing for eternity just kind of go out the window. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know I, it's different for every person and every, everybody has their own situation, but I love that, that the homers have approached what can easily be seen as an opportunity to walk away from marriage because things would be really difficult to manage. And they've taken a, a different approach. They've, um, they found a way to work together and to manage their marriage. Right. I love that they were so open and so willing to talk about it. But one of the things that they said is that they they didn't want this to define their relationship. Mm. That the fact that they're in a, mis, a mixed faith uh, relationship does not define who they are. And it's apparent in the way that they've chosen to deal with things. And I'm just, I should just stop talking and let you Just let them listen to, to the episode. <laughs> right. It's just fantastic. One disclaimer, we did have some technical difficulties we happened to forget our microphone stands when we went. So, so some of the mics cut in and out because the cables were a little wonky, but it shouldn't be too much of a distraction. There's just a couple of spots where... Um, a couple of spots where it cuts out. Yeah. Um, but other than that... Press it's, on. It's it's wonderful. The conversation's worth listening to, even though there's a few scratchy spots. So enjoy, and we'll catch up with you at the end of the episode. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Nick and Chelsea Homer. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having us. So I um, found out about your guys' story from an Instagram post that was at the LDS Church's page. They they reposted it, and it just, you shared a little bit about your experience being in a multi-faith marriage. And I thought it was really awesome what you said, and we wanted to get you on the show so we could explore it a little bit more. So thanks for being here. 
typically we start off a conversation like this just hearing about how you guys met and fell in love. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your story and how your relationship <laughs> began? You can give us the sure. abbreviated version yeah. if you want, or you can dive into the nitty-gritties. Nitty yeah. Okay, so we met um, at BYU. I was on my last semester. Nick had graduated a few years before, um, moved away, and then moved back into... So we were in the same ward. Um, and... Long, long story short, me and a couple of buddies bought a motorhome. You wanted the motorhome, so you decided <laughs> to <true>. introduce yourself. <laughs> Nick was Nick is a very energetic party guy, and so it was really hard not to notice him. I think you were the activities co-chair in the ward, yeah. and so they, he and his buddies had a motorhome, and they would just pile the entire ward into the motorhome and go on these trips or even just down the street but it was just always a really fun time and so I just noticed Nick and thought he was super cute and I wanted to get to know him um but we dated what two and a half years on and off yeah not your typical <laughs> quick Mormon engagement but yeah I don't I don't know it that wasn't there love was... at first sight oh but I remember seeing you the first week like that everyone moves into the ward and knowing, like, oh, like, I'm definitely going <laughs> to try and meet her. <laughs> yeah. Um, which was why we did a lot of motorhome things, and you were always the door we knocked on first. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. We just kind of had a long courtship. and um, My parents are divorced, and so I had a little bit of just reservations about marriage. And um, I know Nick probably would have liked to get married sooner than we did, um, but I was just really nervous about commitment and making taking that next step. So, um, yeah, we just, I feel like I, I felt safe going into marriage, like knowing, okay, Nick is not a mystery to me. Um, I mean, obviously marriage is always a little bit of a risk, but like I felt like the risk was very small mm -hmm. and so with our story about mixed faith like it's just interesting because I felt like we had answered some of those really big questions together as a dating couple so to move into marriage was interesting tell me so you say you'd answered some of the really big questions what are some of the big questions that you thought you had answered so my mom is a therapist and so she would give us just like list of questions to ask about religion sexuality, your childhood, your family culture, expectations. So you were doing the work to get things sorted out and, and <laughs> yeah, make sure you're on the same Yeah, it's not very romantic to say I know, that, I wish we definitely had really hard, hard conversations. I think it is romantic. <laughs> yeah, like, I wish, I'm digging. I'm like, is, was there a moment where we were like, oh yeah, it's all, like, this is... Like, I mean, I like, even remember even asking him, are you went. gay? Just to like put that on the table. So yeah, that a couple times. I've, I've heard <laughs> I've heard the horror stories. Just to like you know? make sure. So, I th I, yeah, I think maybe just you had a lot of reservations yeah, and, and probably you had a lot of dating options and like some deciding to like she shrugs her shoulders <laughs> from going from like yeah I don't know narrowing it down to like this is the one that I'm picking of the many potentials yeah I don't know 
Chelsea's a catch. So, do you feel like asking those hard questions before made it easier though to finally commit to marriage? Yeah, I do, and I think mm-hmm. even just learning how we communicate and and learning how to talk about things and and we definitely had our ups and downs. It wasn't just an easygoing coasting relationship. I moved away to New York um, halfway through that relationship. And he came out to visit me for a few days, and it was kind of like a, it should have been this, like, chick flag, awesome experience, but, like, <laughs> we both just kind of were like, oh, I, I don't know, like, is this going to work out? I'm not sure. Um, yeah. I know my mom was, like, proposing to Nick. She From wanted me to one. marry him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I it did establish this, like, foundation of we can talk about hard things mm. and... And it also laid a good foundation. Like if we had met, got engaged, gotten married after a couple months and then in marriage found like, oh, there might be differences in opinion on faith and religion and and just other things that would have been a lot harder. I guess what we experienced in the beginning of marriage would have been a lot harder had we not had, you know, a good two, two and a half solid years Mm -hmm. of like, okay, well, regardless of, of what we're hitting, like I feel like I deeply know this person and that we do have core compatibilities that we can, yeah, that can pull us through this. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like, so part of the, your story now is that you, you kind of said you were on the same page when it came to religion and stuff. And then it sounds like things changed Yeah. in later on in your relationship. Was that a surprise or can you tell me about that experience? Oh, it was a shock. Uh, to <laughs> both of us, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think you should tell them a little bit about yeah, your I, family and your I background. Could, like yeah. I just grew up, I could not have been more Mormon, skipping like school to go to extra seminary and just like <laughs> cried the last two months of my mission every night thinking like, I want to go home. Like this is what I want to do the rest of my life is be a missionary. And like, so yeah, like I, and his dad is a stake patriarch right now. Like and yeah, I'd say a very orthodox family and very like, I remember family home evenings when I was five and six, we even have them like videotaped where like we'd put little plaques on and like go out and knock the door and be like, <laughs> and you give like the first discussion about... as like a three-year-old. Like, it's... yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, and I like being Homer and being Mormon in my mind have always been synonymous. And that was, there was just no option other than that. Right. Um, and I, I think, I guess I could go into a little bit like, eh, Hmm. I know, I know maybe the first time I caught myself being like, Oh, I might have an opinion other than what I guess the church would have, uh, would be on like LGBT topics. And and that's probably a couple (laughs) of years before we met. And that was a big moment where I was like, Oh my gosh, like, there is a conflict of opinions here, and I think I'm going to hold on to the one, uh, I guess, my own opinion on LGBT, and, and little things like that would come up, but I don't know. We'd been married six months, a year, maybe. No, six months. It was a few months after we got married. Yeah, and I guess, to, like, long story short, um, I guess I, there were just some things that I felt like um, I, I was going to dive deeper into and learn a little bit more of, of the history or the backstory behind some things. And I fully recognize um, that there are many ways to deal with, and many legitimate ways to deal with maybe an inconsistency in a story that you might find. And we could say, well, we just, we don't understand the full story. And, you know, I, I don't know, at least for me, though, going through this, I got to a point where I said, wow, like I, 
I might need to rethink some things and like reevaluate what I hold as as being absolutely true or not. And and I was very tra- I tried to be transparent with you rather yeah. than going through a whole process and then coming to her one night and being like, oh, I don't believe anything. Uh, you know, you were looped yeah. in kind of through and the whole there process. Are, I mean, there are a lot of couples from that post who have reached out. And I know not everyone experiences this where they kind of go through this transition with their spouse openly. A lot of times it will just come like, hey, mm. one day, like, I just don't believe anymore. And it seems like that's the majority. And so we got married in the Bountiful Temple. A few months later, Nick vocalized some of these concerns. And I, my family is less orthodox than Nick's. And so I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, I think it's a good idea to explore some of these doubts and these questions. And, um, but Nick's personality is... I mean, he's an intellectual, but he's also very obsessive. So it was just a few months <laughs> and you. it unraveled <laughs> fast. It like every hour of the day, he was listening to a podcast, reading an article. And so like, it was just like a very quick transition quicker than I think uh, maybe oh, other people. I into, like, yeah. And I think just, it's like Santa, when you learn not to compare religion to Santa, but when a kid mm-hmm. learns that Santa might not be real, he doesn't just like, oh, okay. Like, you know, it's like, what? And like asking everyone, is Santa, you know, like, so once a a couple chords maybe come unraveled, it it does become, and being such a big thing, it's hard to just leave that. Like, I'll just leave it and kind of think about it later. It felt to me, I remember going through something similar and it felt a lot like the Truman show. Yeah. Where you really, you like start looking around and you're like, Oh, this life that I thought was like normal life, maybe not. not, It's maybe Maybe different than I previously anticipated. Like my whole world might be completely different than what I always thought it was. Yeah. How did that feel for like, how was that experience for you (sighs) during that, that time where you started having questions and then you started like learning a whole bunch of stuff? What, what was your experience like? Uh, That's tough. I guess it's split because it was devastating and it did rock me to the core and was something that obviously the fact that it took so much of my time at a time where I was like starting a business and all of my time should have been going to that. Um, So it, it definitely rocked me. At the same time, I think I deal with change pretty well and if someone comes to me and says hey look like you thought this but this 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 i like i think i'm relatively quick to be like oh yeah okay i'll change my opinion that Mm. must be true now and so how did it how did it affect your family uh it was not i i remember there was uh i guess for a few years maybe i'd been i'd been dropping a comment here and there um maybe along the topic of like lgbt again um, where I'd say something to my parents and, and it'd maybe leave a little hint. They're like, okay, Nick might Mormon slightly different than we are Mormoning. Um, but there was definitely a, a night where like a conversation started like that. And then I kind of dropped in like, well, I, I differ on opinion on this and on this and maybe something about Joseph Smith and maybe about, you know, the Godhead or, you know, and that triggered a couple of months of really uh, tough tear-filled conversations and was it I'm trying to think of the right question here what what would you have liked to have been handled differently is that an okay question to ask yeah. like what would have been the the best way for I, the people who love you to respond to you going through this and and what kind of were the things that maybe made it worse and what were made it better okay yeah i could definitely talk to that um i think in mormonism we are often fed 
um, that you are either in or you're out. You're for the church. As soon as someone leaves, they become super anti. And I think that's the assumption that a lot of people have had regarding myself. Um, and, and even even it's so common for someone to be like, I heard you left the church. I'm like, well, I'm still going to church every Sunday. Like, I'm trying to make this work in the best way I can. I would not define myself as having left the church. Um, so even in that narrative, I think people assume that like, oh, well, we can't talk about it because Nick's going to be anti and he's going to, you know, try and persuade me that this and that isn't true or whatever. And uh, where I don't know, I, I think above all, I would love to be understood. I would love to have awesome conversations with people who are close to me, friends and family. Um, not with any uh, motive of persuading them or convincing them otherwise, but just to say like, hey, I want you to understand where I am and this is maybe why I believe this and maybe, you know, I've gone through a process that maybe this and this aren't things that I sh am choosing to currently believe. But at the end of the day, I am not trying to push you out of something and I hope you can understand that um, I feel like the easy the easy path would be to be like, oh, well, not true, done, I'm out, stupid. Um, <laughs> but rather, like, I feel like I, I am in this struggle of like, okay, well, how can I still participate in, you know, Mormonism and the greater community uh, in a way that's healthy? I don't know if that's a great uh, answer, but that, I guess, Well, and I, love I that wish Nick's it could be more open conversation. I love that he's included in this podcast because oftentimes people just reach out to me and ask all the questions about Nick, but not, you know, directly to Nick. And yeah. so like, this is the first time that we've actually sat down together with somebody else asking both of us questions, which I really appreciate because sometimes I feel like you just need to talk to him. Like, it, mm -hmm. yes, I can relate some information, but like, it's just helpful to hear it from Nick without the argumentative tone and seeing that he is, you know, friendly and wanting to navigate this in a peaceful way. So, and I think that was one thing that you even said in your post is that you just wanted people to just reach out instead of making assumptions yeah. about it, reach out, have the yeah. conversation. What was your experience in all this with, with, with everything that he had going on? What was going on in your mind? Right. So, I mean, I was under the assumption that we were signing up for the traditional Mormon marriage. A long haul. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. As was I. Yeah. We both were. <laughs> and so I tell people that this, like we both were grieving and that's a weird thing to say because this was, it wasn't like Nick was manipulative and okay, I caught her and now I'm going to leave the mm -hmm. church, you know? So we got married in the Bountiful Temple. A few months later he approached me and I was supportive. And then I just saw this like few months where it was just like, there was a little bit of anger with Nick. Like he was, there were some times that I'd have to be like, we can't, like, I need to shut this conversation down. This is too much. You know, he was just like a lot of information all at once. And so I was serving as young woman's president at the time. And so I remember driving to the church and it's like a part-time job with a calling like that. You're just really invested. And I was, uh, I don't want to get emotional, but I was like preparing a lesson. And then most of the girls, um, we lived in a very low income area, so there were a lot of needs and struggles and, and getting to church was just difficult for a lot of them. And so I remember thinking, I am fighting tooth and nail for these girls, but yet my husband at home is just like in pieces. Like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to navigate this. I, um, it was really, really difficult. And I definitely was in shock for the first little bit. Cause I just thought, 
of all the people, like you think I would go before Nick, considering like his family, like his history. Um, but it was it was definitely difficult, and I remember having a conversation with him. Okay, well, we can't take God off the table. Like, I don't want to compromise over deity, but that was obviously something that Nick, like, you know, it was off the table. And well, I don't know. It was off. The, it was on the table for conversation. Just like, I guess everything I've known my entire life about deity is wrapped in the same rubber band as Joseph Smith and Book of Mormon and everything. So when you take that rubber band off, it's so that was one of our first conversations where, like, okay, if if we can't agree on a Heavenly Father, then, like, maybe we should reconsider our marriage. Like, I had several people approach me and just say, do you know what, I, I can see why a divorce might be the best option here. And for other people outside of our relationship to tell me that, like, after being married for not even a year, yeah. like, that was really difficult. And I thought, well, maybe I should be considering that if everybody else thinks that's the the best solution to the problem here. And so, and I know you telling me about that uh, for me was like, what? Like you, like, I don't know. It felt like super dismissive. Like, Oh, well, you know, if it felt like my value was attached to my belief system rather than who I was in the marriage with what I, what I've noticed being a part of the kind of ex Mormon community and a part of the Mormon community at the same time, which I, kind of, I kind of skirt that line a lot of the time. I have uh-huh. a lot of friends. I've been through a lot of stuff myself. And what I've noticed is that when, especially in a situation where one member of a, a marriage, like one person in the marriage decides to leave the church, the non-Mormon community, the ex-Mormon community celebrates that person and then talks about how, like, how cancerous and how, like, the church is just going to turn, like, they're going to turn your partner against you and how like it's just a really bad toxic environment and then on the other side you've got the church the church group and the church community and they're like oh your husband betrayed you or your wife betrayed you your partner like committed for time and all eternity and now they're walking out and you're the one who's the victim and and neither side like the church has a really hard time ever sitting down with the person who left and saying hey What's going on for you? We want to hear your story. Are you okay? And on the flip side, the people who have left the church, the ex Mormon community, has a really hard time saying, hey, you know, to the person who's staying, hey, yeah. are you doing okay? Like, are you surviving? Is this taking a toll on you? Are you going to, like, what do you need? There's just an automatic, like, in and out. There's a community that's in and out. Yeah. And both, both are very protective of their own. And for sure. and they don't really tend to display a lot of empathy towards the other side of the conflict, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So you guys are probably sitting here going, we love each other. And but the people who are in our kind of group that either members right. or non-members are kind of going. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And to, to suggest that we should get divorced is completely dismissive of every other way that we love and support each other in our marriage. I guess it just felt very dismissive uh, yeah. and attached our entire value to like what we believe, okay, which so I now, get it. So you guys are now in this position in the story where you're like, okay, well, you know, you're out, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> very in. Yeah. yeah. And you're although, l- although I wouldn't say I'm out, out like... Like you're okay. He's so no Mormonism I, is so much bigger than a belief system. Yes, yes, right? yes. I totally agree. And so to say I'm out in a lot of people's minds is like, oh, he's drinking, he's getting tattoos, he's but doing. You no all, longer you know, identified like, with the truth claims of the church, which for some in that classifies out. Yeah, hold this. Your mic is cutting out for some reason. Maybe I'll just hold just it at this angle. angle. <laughs> okay, really stiff. 
So the fact that he no longer identified with most all of the truth claims of the church, many would classify that as being out. Um, True. But, yeah. yeah, I do like your definition of... Thanks, babe. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm Probably trying to remember. Not. Was there a question? No. <laughs> Were we I'm trying back? to remember. Um, <laughs> Okay, so let's just pick up from there. So I, I kind of said you you were in, and then you were out, and then you were like, well, I wasn't out-out, but I was kind of out, and it just depends on what you define as out. Yeah, yeah. Right. But you had a difference of beliefs. Right. Yeah. Um, so how did we bridge that gap? Yeah, so now what do you do? Like, do you, you're, you're getting pressure. Um, Chelsea, you're getting pressure from your community to like, hey, this might be a good idea to divorce. Your marriage is still early. You're still young. You have this no life kids. ahead of you. Yeah. You don't have any kids. Yeah, divorce before the kids come. Yeah. Right. And so, like, how did you reconcile and, and get to the point where you're like, you know what, we're going to really stick together here? Um, well, I, I also had to look at it that Nick and I are on the same page, like, politically and almost every other area where we really jive and we really agree on some things so with religion being on the table and nick saying hey i don't think it is what we thought it is like that was really hard for me because i respect him so much and i never looked at him as deceived i just thought well what don't i know or maybe his sources are bad like i was trying to evaluate it that way but i never not wanted to listen like i wanted to hear him out and i know and every relationship is different. And I know a lot of spouses navigate it the way that they just don't talk about religion. But I didn't want a marriage where something as monumental as Mormonism, which dictates a lot of your life, um, that I thought we have to talk about this. Like this is that would be silly for us not to talk about something that's so big, especially if we are interested in maintaining this relationship and then having kids. You know, so we just um, had a lot of really, really hard conversations. One about God, because I thought, okay, if we can agree on God, then we can just teach our children, you know, about a loving Heavenly Father. And then with Nick, he wasn't quite sure about that. So then I was like, well, we don't have much to compromise on anymore. Um, But we just kept talking and we kept hashing it out. And Nick, we went to a few, like he would suggest different podcasts to listen to that really kind of helped me have a little bit more understanding like there is more than one way to live and it doesn't always have to be in the context of Mormonism which for me I had never really thought about it that way and and maybe that sounds naive but like I just you know thought okay we are Mormon and that's just what's gonna happen and that's how Mm -hmm. we look at the world and so Nick was slowly I don't want to say popping my bubble but he was slowly putting information in front of me where I was like oh oh yeah that is a good point like I do agree with that so we found a lot of commonality um commonalities between our belief systems which I think you just have to focus on what do we what do we value together collectively and that was really helpful yeah no, I, I would say 100% the credit goes to Chels for how great our marriage is right now. Just 100%. But because Chels, like, we'll we hear so many stories of, like, someone like me. And, and often, I think stereotypically, people say, well, it's the man who leaves and the woman who's... But we hear stories just as often, I feel like, mm-hmm. of, of the, you know, female in the relationship having that problem. But of the person who leaves and then whoever's left or whoever feels like they got left, you instantly feel betrayed and hurt and you shut down mm-hmm. and to Chelsea's credit um and that's very justifiable I think we oh, shouldn't yeah. dismiss that because yeah, I yeah. think that there is valid there is, reason to, yeah, there is, to there feel is, that way there is a sense of betrayal that do, that comes True. along with this and like so 
did you feel betrayed? Yeah. Oh, totally. Did you feel guilty? Um, yeah, I, I could definitely see like, wow, this sucks for me, and I'm, it sucks even more for Chelsea. Like, I don't want to be doing this. Uh, I remember to thinking Chelsea. that same thing. Like, if I could just make a wish and have all of my doubts just go away, my life would be so much better. Oh, yeah. Like, if I could just choose to, to not see and not understand and not know everything that I've seen, understood, and known, yeah, it would make things yeah. so much easier, and I would totally take that path, but it's not a path that you can take. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the fact that Chelsea was willing to say, okay, well, uh, this hurts, but I want to understand what you're learning and understanding, and I want to... And, and I think, also, you said this in another interview, that, like, I think a lot of people are scared that their kids, you know, if we don't agree, we can't bring kids in this because our kids are just going to grow up, their heads spinning, confused about everything. We're like, there are kids that grow up in multilingual homes and there are Buddhists and Catholics who get married and raise kids and the kids grow up being like, oh, mom's Catholic, dad's Buddhist. You know, there's two different belief systems. Great. And I think kind of coming to terms with like, okay, Chelsea might believe you know, whatever she believes. And I could, as long as we're not trying to pit our kids against each other. And when my kid, you know, when Ellie comes to me and says, well, what do you believe about God? I might say, well, I don't know what I believe about God, but like, I, if there is a God, I hope he loves you just as much as I love you. You know, mm-hmm. inst- rather than me saying, oh, well, let me teach you the truth that mom won't tell you about, you know, what she believes. Um, so I guess coming to agreements where, we're okay having our kids realize that mom and dad might think differently. Um, so I think just mutual respect and also at the early stages setting boundaries. Like it wasn't like I couldn't take it all in all at once. Cause that yeah. I, I tell Nick, it was kind of like a forced faith transition for me because like I wouldn't naturally be exposed to some of the things that he exposed me to early on. And so I just kind of had to say, okay, this is a lot of information today. Let me process this and then we can move on. So I think for the spouse who maybe is, um, in the church or wants to stay in the church, just setting some boundaries, healthy boundaries, and then Nick respecting them like, okay, I, that's great. We can talk about this another day. And Mm -hmm. so we definitely had to learn how to set boundaries and then slowly those boundaries became more flexible and now I say we're at a point where we can definitely openly talk about things and Nick will go to church with me every Sunday we have a daughter who naps conveniently during church hours so like (laughs) it's hit and miss with Nick but um he'll come home and if there's like a tough lesson or something that he really feels was doesn't align with his beliefs that we can talk about it and process through and I feel like I'm really grateful we're at this point yeah. In so, our marriage. So Nick still participates in, like, you go to church and stuff together. Is that one of the compromises that you guys made? Is I don't know that we necessarily, like, laid down the law, like, okay, you will be understanding if I keep coming. In a lot of ways, like, the belief side um, is mostly shattered, right? But, like, I still, like, just having... Going to church, you meet all your neighbors, mm-hmm. uh, at least in Utah, mm-hmm. and I enjoy that. So there are still motives and reasons for me to go and participate um, beyond just belief. And Nick is a natural peacemaker, so I think it was kind of an innate compromise. He knew it was important to me, and so he's making the effort. Even though like during that first year or two, it was like, 
almost to fight every single time after church because I'm like, is this even worth you coming? Because it's just making you angry and our Sundays are not peaceful. Like, it's <laughs> definitely a day of yeah. rest. Love is not spoken here. No. So, I, you know, I, but I think he just knew that it was something that was important to me and that, I mean, I take Ellie and so our daughter. So it was just a natural compromise. Yeah. You're cutting out again. I'm sorry. sorry. No, it's not your fault. I'm pretty sure it's not your fault. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Get, get We're closer. both leaning in close. I'm sorry about the technical difficulties, guys. <laughs> One thing I love about your story is that it's been a journey. And I think sometimes when people are at the beginning and it's really hard, they, they don't see the silver lining, I guess. They don't see that they can come to a compromise. And so um, I just love that you have gotten to a place now where you feel like you can talk about it and then this can inspire other people to do the same. In what other aspects do you think this experience helps your marriage? Um, well, it forced us to communicate, mm-hmm. <laughs> really, like really communicate. Um, yeah. And we did a lot of long walks around our neighborhood just trying to pick up the pieces and figure things out. Um, I, I think it's also broken us out of a mold that you, there is a stereotypical Mormon mold, and not just Mormonism, but, you know, traditional, that, like, the guy's going to work and mom's going to stay at home. And I think it's forced us out of that, too. Like, if you want to work, if you, like, whatever you want to do, I want to be supportive of it. If it doesn't fit a traditional mold, like, that's fine. We're already breaking molds. It's so. almost given us permission to navigate our own life and our own marriage the way that we would like to. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Also, I think it increased my sensitivity. I know I would go to church, and this was just, I mean, naturally with a friend or a partner, if somebody's saying something that you know that they wouldn't like, you're, you're just more aware of that. And so I slowly became more and more aware of maybe people in the margins of the church who have issues, difficulties, whatever it may be, doubts, you know, problems that I just thought, oh my gosh, like Nick would not love this lesson. And so it just, I started picking apart like, okay, what are some things that I want to make sure when I comment or how I participate is a way that somebody like Nick would appreciate. And so that has definitely changed my church going experience. And I, and I really owe that mostly to Nick just getting me out of my shell and realizing that there are so many other people with so many other problems and everybody, like, we're not alone in this struggle. You know, mm-hmm. mixed faith, not mixed faith. Like, it's, yeah, it's an interesting journey, as you said, that I'm just trying to be more and more aware of other people around me. So, I love yeah. that. Yeah, you do fantastic at that. Sometimes. You guys are great. <laughs> stop. Another thing that I'm learning from conversations like this and just conversations with Nate about his experience and then my own experiences just with questions and doubts is that faith is so... Um, I'm trying to think of the word. It's very fluid. I think... Culturally, sometimes we think of faith as being something that either you have it or you don't. But there's these stages of faith. Is it Fowler's? Yeah, Fowler's Fowler's stages of faith. I love that, that it just talks about the different 
places that the journey of faith takes us on. And sometimes we believe like we're at Disneyland and everything's happy and we can't see anything wrong. And sometimes the rug gets pulled out from under us and we're just like, is everything I've believed my whole life a lie? And then you move on and it's like, well, where can I find the balance between what I truly believe and what everyone else has just told me to believe? And I think that a lot of the times culturally we think that everyone who sits in the in the cultural hall or in the chapel believes the same thing when every single person has a different belief system based on their own experiences and to be aware that everyone believes differently like you said earlier it gives you permission to just explore your own lives explore your own marriage explore your own faith and come to the conclusions and the values that benefit you most yeah 100 percent agree yeah and and just as a result of i guess chelsea's story i guess it's our story but chelsea being the i don't know being featured by the church and stuff there there have been multiple people who have pulled us aside at church or in other settings who you would never in a million years uh think that they had struggled with you know, either a faith crisis or, or in other ways fitting into the church and just, just Chelsea being more vocal about it. It's been really interesting to find that there are all sorts of people, different backgrounds, different beliefs inside the church who are all trying to make it work in one way or another. So yeah, I think we, we definitely assume wrongly that like, oh, everyone in the chapel has the exact same belief system and we're all just pushing the exact same I guess, agenda at the end of the day. Yeah, for a while, I always thought it was Nick's story to tell because Nick is the changing character in, you know, this situation. And so I kept quiet for probably the first year or so because I just didn't know and I didn't want to, like, expose him or out him. But at the end of the day, it was our story to tell, and I was suffering alone, and I am a social person, so I definitely wanted to talk to people about it. And I know that's a personal decision but I feel like the the moment that we were transparent about our struggles, like it was just like a relief, yeah. mm-hmm. a weight off of our shoulders. I would say it's a personal decision and it's also a really smart move. I think that, I mean, part of the gospel that we believe in is bearing one another's burdens. And I think it's really common in the church, in church culture to mask our struggles and to hide the things that the burdens that we're carrying because we're the ones who serve we aren't served you know we're the ones who take care of others we don't we aren't taken care of and in a moment like this you know there's a fear of judgment and there's a fear of a lot of different things but what i found is the more that we talk about it the the more the shame goes away the more the pain goes away and the more our community can rally around us and like really understand and like kind of like what nick was saying like when you're going through something like this one of the things that helps the most is just being understood it's having somebody right. sit down and listen. And people can't listen unless we talk. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what's what's something that you think we could do better as a community of, of Mormons to support people who are going through something similar to what you guys are have gone through? I mean, I think what you just said, listen to understand. I think a lot of times people listen to fix, Mm -hmm. which is a very natural response. And that was my response initially too. like, okay, let's figure this out and we can like fix this problem and everything will be okay. But like, I wasn't truly understanding Nick. And the moment that I started doing that and our our conversations changed, the tone changed. And like as spouses, I think that goes on both sides. It's hard if it's just one-sided. If only one person is doing all the listening and all of the empathizing and all the compromising, it's not a healthy relationship. And so I would hope that if there is 
a couple experiencing this that they both could see that there's room to listen on both sides and there's room for love on both sides. Nick, what, what, um, what would make, what makes you feel more comfortable at church now? And what makes you feel uncomfortable at church? Like, what are the things that happen that make you want to walk out of a lesson and go home and be like, I don't yeah. even know why I come here? Yeah, for me, I, I want to participate more uh, in lessons in church and stuff, but there's always a fear of derailing the lesson, right? I have a comment. I know I can make it. Um, but there's not, the initial response is often going to be, I don't know, a response, shutting it down. Let's follow the lesson. We have to hit these points. We're not going to go into talking about that because the lesson says we do these things. Um, I, yeah. So, and maybe that's just, maybe I need to, you know, the change isn't going to happen unless I speak up and, and, you know, I don't want to derail lessons, but there is that, I guess there's just, hmm, there's a narrative that is spoken at church and when you get outside of that, um, I know like we have a friend who's just teaching a Sunday school lesson the other day and, and he brought up that, you know, there are people who are struggling and, and we need to be aware of them. And the first comment was someone like, well, we also know in the last days people will be deceived. We don't need to, you know, their deception, we don't need to accommodate it. We need to just keep doing what we know is true. And that's, I mean, I understand that that's a valid point, but like, I think people are more important especially if, I don't know, God is this loving Heavenly Father, um, that the people are more important than the, maybe the content of the lesson. That's probably not the world's best response. But The thing I think both of us agree that the church is worth, as Sherry Dew would say, wrestling for. Like, we definitely, it's important to us, and that's why it's been such a painful process, because it is important and we both have found value in it and I still find quite a bit of value, but, um, I just lost my train of thought. That was a great thought. <laughs> it was good. It's worth wrestling for. Yeah. And maybe, Oh, Oh, I, okay. oh, you got it. And so the fact that Nick is showing up is like, some people just say, Oh, he just rolled out of bed and came, but like, it is a really hard thing to do. And so for people showing up, even if it's just to like a monthly activity, like that is a courageous thing for somebody to do, to put themselves out there and to try. And something I appreciate with Nick is that he's trying to make it work and it's, it's not a clean cut. It's definitely messy. It's definitely complicated, but the fact that he's just trying to do it in a peaceful manner, I think is, speaks volumes. So, and I hope that we will appreciate that for people at church or in our neighborhood that at least they're trying, even if it looks different than the way that we practice. Yeah. And what I heard you saying, Nick, is sometimes you wish you could make more comments in church, but you fear the reaction of people. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah. I, I guess hmm, church is not, in my experience, somewhere where people are very vulnerable in their comments, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a pretty standard set of lessons, you know, every year we'll have a lesson on tithing and it's, you can anticipate similar comments every year. Well, I, you know, I had a doubt and then I paid and then, oh, there's my testimony. It mm -hmm. works, you know, and you don't get a lot of comments by someone who said, tithing's really, really hard for me mm -hmm. and I don't have a testimony of it and I'm still trying to make it work and I don't know if I'll ever have a testimony of it. 
and that's all. I'm just struggling, and I just want to be trans. You know, no one's right. making those yeah. comments. And nobody knows what to do with it if they were yeah, made. Yeah, yeah, and it's if like, someone... Oh, well, okay. Well, I promise you we'll, we'll get a testimony. We'll bear our testimony some more and hope... Yeah. yeah. So maybe it's that, that there isn't a lot of room to for the conversation to go other than the way the conversation goes almost every yeah. time. It's... It's not a very comfortable place for people to wrestle with conflicting opinions and, yeah, and, and have difficult conversations, especially like it's really easy. I read an article about this the other day and it basically said, you know, we should encourage more contrary opinions in church because like when you have a contrary opinion, it, it helps you exactly what you were saying earlier. Um, Chelsea, in the conversation, it expands your horizons and makes you look at things different. It creates empathy. But when we don't, when we don't allow for that and we shut that down, it chases one. It chases people away, and we miss out on that extra opinion. Um, but the other thing, I was, oh man, I just lost my train of thought now. Sorry. No, no, it's contagious. It's contagious. <laughs> um, uh, oh, people mistake the feeling of discomfort for chasing away the spirit. Yeah. It's one of the big things. Yeah. And it's like, well, he said something that I don't agree with, and it made me feel uncomfortable. And so he's evil because I couldn't feel the, the quote unquote spirit anymore. And, yep. and knowing the difference between feeling the spirit and just having your opinion challenged, like in church, it's a really hard thing to grapple with. And some people aren't prepared to grapple with that. And everybody's at different phases. And some people really need to hold on to the stone cold, like this is how it is. And there is no variance from it. And other people are prepared to have that nuanced conversation. And so yeah. well, one, there's a talk by Bruce C. Hafen called on dealing with uncertainty and this was given clear back in the 70s, but it talks about how if we're unwilling to confront uncertainty, if we're unwilling to confront our questions and doubts, there's no way we're ever going to be spiritually mature enough to handle real doubt and handle real questions. If we're not willing to wrestle with those, we won't ever get stronger. And so that's why I, I agree so much that we need to be able to have these difficult conversations in church and not just push them under the rug so much because we we have to be able to be confronted with those so thank you for for being willing to wrestle and share that with others because I think that gives other people permission to be vulnerable when they see other people being vulnerable and I think also what you guys are doing is validating that wrestle I think if Maybe if you're not personally ready to be vulnerable at church, at least validate the people who are, mm-hmm. you know, so that we can continue and that they don't get nervous or fearful to make another comment or to get out of their comfort zone. Just give people permission to do the same. Yeah. So before we uh, end the interview, I have uh, I have one last question. I don't know if you have more questions, Ange, but um, what what advice would you give to people who are in a similar situation to you? Like, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you would... If, like if you wake up one morning and either you're feeling doubt and you're conflicted about something uh, in the church and you're scared to share it, or if your partner comes to you and says, hey, I'm struggling with some church stuff, like people who are right in that moment, what, what kind of advice would you give them? I think for me, being the one who's, you know, on my side of the equation, um, I, we've heard from several people reaching out to Chelsea that they're scared to listen to their significant other's experience and point of views um, because they're scared that that will, you know, introduce doubt in their life and drive away the spirit. And now that they don't have the spirit, they might give into those doubts and stuff. And, and I think you brought up a good point that 
there is always going to be a level of, of discomfort when you are just challenged and introduced with ideas that are not what you have always accepted to be true. Um, but in our case, it's been so, and it, that has been uncomfortable for you, Chelsea, but it's been so worth it to say, you know what, we're going to go there. Chelsea is really like going to try and understand where I am and me equally, I'm going to try and understand everything that, you know, makes this horrible and uncomfortable for you. And I just don't know how a relationship could really work when introduced with like a faith crisis like this and one of the people in the relationship, if you're not willing to say, okay, let's get to the bottom of this. I, I don't necessarily have to believe what you believe, but I want to understand what you believe so I can be sensitive to it and, and acknowledge when you're having hard times. So that's, I don't know. That's the big thing that I would say if, if you find yourself in this situation, you know, be willing to really try to understand what the other person's going through. And I would just say it's possible. Like, for us, like, I didn't know a couple when this was happening to us that, you know, that they were going through this because, and I'm sure I knew people, but they just, like, were not super public about it. But that it's possible and that people make it work and do it with grace. And that's the thing. It's it's not something that we have to struggle through. And, of course, each stage is different. I know when Ellie is eight, I know there are going to be challenges there. And, you know, each each stage will bring its own set of unique difficulties. But that, like, we're both really, really happy and have a fulfilled marriage, even though we don't agree on... A lot of re- <laughs> on a lot of religious beliefs, and and so if I could have just seen that when Nick, you know, dropped the bomb, so to speak, that that would have been helpful for me. Just knowing, like, oh, people can do it and they can be happy, and divorce doesn't have to be the first thought to come to mind. Oh, and just and another thing, like it takes time. Like it's mm-hmm. not like someone like in the beginning that you know it was tense it's not like someone could have come in and been like oh just try and understand each other and then like the next day we've woken up like ah it's all great i I worry about our neighbors because we had a lot of very heated conversations (laughs) and i'm sure they thought we were crazy but yeah it definitely was not pretty and i'm glad you didn't interview us two years ago (laughs) (laughs) but but i the fact that we're trying and we both want it and we both want to make it work is what I'm saying is it's possible. Mm-hmm. And I give good back rubs, so Chelsea has a lot of motive to make it work. Oh, man. Thank you guys so much for sharing your story yeah. with us. Thanks for asking I, us. I really, really, truly believe that there's going to be a lot of people who need need this. I think it's very um, brave and wonderful of you. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Did you enjoy that episode? I know I sure did. I enjoyed it. Here's what I would love. For you who is listening right now, I would love to hear what you thought about this episode. Uh, If you liked it, if you didn't like it, if there's things that you loved or things that you learned, I I honestly just want to hear what you thought. This was an interesting conversation. So you can shoot me an email at nate at first7years.com or you can send Angeline an email, angeline at first7years.com. That's A-N-G-I-L-Y-N. And we'd just like to hear your thoughts on this episode. The awesome thing is we, we finally got an Instagram for for Mormon marriages and a Facebook page. So you can go like uh, follow us on the Instagram page, go like the Facebook page, and that's another uh, avenue where you can leave your comments and give us your feedback. That's true. There. Or even better, you can go to iTunes and leave us a quick review. And right. if we get some reviews... 
more people will discover this podcast and listen and hopefully be nourished and uplifted. Right. We, we, our promise to you is to continue to have conversations like this one. I feel like these topics are super important for us to be talking about in our culture and they are helping us to have better marriages. So thanks for, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And we'll be putting out another episode soon. Bye. Bye.